Sonic State. Welcome everybody to Sonic Talk number 176. This is going out live today. Um, there's going to be no show for a couple of weeks because I'm going on holiday. Um, but I'm sure you'll probably find uh, much better things to do like stay in bed or work or whatever those things that you do instead of this and i especially imagine that kiwi steve will be especially happy because he does seem to get up at an un- unreasonable hour in the morning in new zealand uh, which which we're all eternally grateful it's always nice to have such a devoted listeners anyway sonic talk number 176 uh listening live sonicstay.com forward slash live 4 p.m on a wednesday afternoon uk time uh, i've got a few guests with me in real time uh, we'll start over the other side of the pond because uh, this week richard hilton is the odd one out uh, myspace.com slash hiltonius in, in uh, connecticut how are you doing rich very well thank you very uh, well i'm glad preparing to hear for some travel oh yes you're off again aren't you yeah to, uh, right after the podcast really how exciting yeah the motor's running as we speak. No, it's not. <laughs> not quite. So, it, what's first, Italy or um, uh, or Ireland, or neither? Well, it's <laughs> it's Italy by way of Ireland. <laughs> ah, so okay. actually, the flight is to Ireland. The first of the three flights is to Ireland, and then uh, ultimately we will end up. Twenty hours later, after I leave the house here, I'll end up in uh, Barry, Italy. Oh, I thought you were going to say Barry Island then in Wales. <laughs> and I was going to, I was, I was going to be thinking, wow, who does your booking? That'd be an interesting gig. <laughs> no, but I'd like to visit there. It's nice, actually. Um, well, I hope everything's all right then. I, the the uh, airspace seems to be open because, as you know, the um, the, you know, the volcanic ash is a, a tributing factor to almost every travel arrangements at the moment involving aeroplanes. So, yep. um, you know, we hope uh, that you have no delays and you can arrive s- as, as sweetly and freshly as possible, given the Thank transatlantic you. nature of your travel. Thank you. I've, I've checked and they're not expecting any plume-related delays today. Let's have, so let's have that chuckler in. Uh, that's Dave Spears from G4Software.com. How you doing, Dave? Hello. I'm all right. Good. You're sounding nice and radio. You got a new mic? No, same old, same old. Right, just uh, a new voice. <laughs> new, yes. New mic technique. Cold. Ah, that's it. You've got a more um, sonorous quality to your voice. I see, right. Uh, G4software.com, um, imminent arrival in Posca 2. Not going to give any dates away, but um, sometime, you know, sometime in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, in this decade. Well, that'll be fine. Well, actually, <laughs> we're in 2010, so you don't... So it's got to be this year to... to Meet that statement. Uh, okay. Careful what right. you say. Let's see what we can do. This millennium. <laughs> anyway, Dave, glad to have you aboard. Thank and you. of course, we've got Mark Tinley. Hello. Hello, creative thinker, sound designer, also all round top chap. You've made it this week. Uh-huh. Um, you're not travelling this week. I have a new engagement. Ooh. Which I must tell you about. Oh, please do. In this voice, of course. I've become a celebrant, Nick. A celebrant. Celebrant. I trained with a company this weekend called Civil Ceremonies Limited, and I am now fully trained in the ceremonies of naming babies, Uh marriage, and (laughs) renewal of vows. Oh, right, okay. Starting very shortly, I shall be in a registry office near you, waving rings at men. (laughs) (laughs) Other people's rings, not your own, presumably. (laughs) (laughs) 
I deserved that, didn't I? I'm sorry, um, I couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> you set me up, I'll just hit them in. So if anybody, if anybody, you know, fancies uh, having me come along and say a few words at their celebration of... Oh, interesting. Well, have you got any gigs lined up yet? Have you got any first engagements? I have got a first engagement in Milton Keynes, naming a child. So I'm quite looking forward to it, actually. Oh, brilliant. So, uh, very different to standing in front of a room full of people playing a guitar, but... <laughs> yeah, well, there's eye contact and stuff, I'd imagine, involved. Well, some of the skill set may, may cross over, who knows? <laughs> Maybe just take your guitar along just in case. So, yeah, I could, couldn't I? <laughs> so I need, to, I need to tag that on the front to put it in al- alphabetical order. I'm a celebrant composer, speaker and writer now. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad to hear that sounds like fun, actually. Oh, those sort of occasions are, are, are jolly good. Actually, um, speaking of occasions, you probably can do humanist funerals as well, can't you? If you want. Well, uh, no, because ah. it's a different... But I could if I trained to do it, but it costs about £2,000 to train to do it, and it takes three and a half days to train. And then when you've done that, you need to form a relationship with your local funeral director, and you kind of work on self-employed. So I couldn't work for this company doing it, but I could train to do it. Oh, and, okay. I have, and it is on my kind of hit list. I think I'll name a few children first, and then I, I see a few people yeah, on. later on <laughs> in my career. But, I mean, what a fantastic career. I'm 47, right? And this could be my career for the rest of my life. I could be doing this when I'm 85 years old, or 100 even. Wow, yeah, or that's old. true. I mean, there's no kind of retirement age on this, is there? I'm pro- probably the older and wiser I am in some circumstances, the better. Right? Well, uh, yeah, and also now that kind of uh, old adage of uh, you need something to fall back on when the music business doesn't work out, you've kind of got that, haven't you? Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, oh. exactly. Oh, well, I, I, and somebody told me that Duran Duran are making a record, so I contacted Nick and said, oh, I hear you're making another record. I'd really like to work on it with you. And he said, uh, actually, it's the same one. And I was like, oh, uh, what, the same one you were making two years ago? And he said, yes. And I thought, ah. Oh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so they haven't finished it, the last one. And I thought they were already on another one. But I guess that's the, the way they do things. All right. Well, congratulations. I hope, that, uh, hope it does... Um uh bear fruit for you i only ask about the funeral thing because um i want to dedicate this one to uh, my friend's mum barbara whose uh, funeral was last week i went to a very delightful humanist funeral and it was all it was all there's no sadness involved it was all very kind of pleasant and really really nice but the best thing about it was they actually played uh jacko pastorius track at the committal so there was you know a room full of very serious and somber people kind of you know reflecting on her life and uh, and her personality she was a lovely person while this kind of bass solo <laughs> wailed away and it was just really poignant and quite fitting actually and i thought there was a lot of humor there so i just wanted to to Gina's, dedicate the show to her you know, excellent gina's well not excellent that she died but excellent that she had a humanist funeral Gina's dad had a humanist funeral and they played Always Look on the Bright Side of Life for that. that. (laughs) His his favourite song. And I just, it was brilliant. It just set a completely different tone, as you can imagine. And uh, none of that sort of... Yeah, that's that's what this was like, really. But anyway, Cele- full celebration of life. I love the idea of that. I think, I think maybe we should move on to sort of more cheerful subject. But uh, it was supposed to be cheerful. But I just thought I'd throw that in because I wanted to de- dedicate something to her. Um, 
Let's start with uh, the Mozart, the Mozart, or Mozart, I think is how it's pronounced. I just got a little clip here which I'd like to play. Wonderful players there. That's the Mozart uh, group. And they're uh, a, a Polish string quartet who sort of do quite a lot of, uh, um, well, they kind of do humorous stuff, but they're brilliant players. And that was a sketch that was really good if you watch the whole thing, because obviously they, they start the sketch, but I won't play the whole of it, with uh, this sort of rather sensitive piece of string music. Uh, and then somebody's phone goes off, and the guy's standing there looking at the audience like this is terrible, and he realises it's his. And then he starts playing ringtones, and they all start playing along with it. And they all go, and then another one gets out his phone and goes, check my ringtone out, and they play along to that. It's really, really clever, actually, and uh, sort of quite amusing because they they tend to debunk all of the classical stuffiness that uh, might be perceived so that was really good and um very interesting really going for like 20 years did anyone get a chance to see that very much very Very, much very playful bunch aren't they yeah it's great great entertainment i love that stuff but some of the sounds they got out of those instruments there was one bit they were doing that i think they were playing like old mcdonald the pastoral symphony and then um and then the cellist starts making a sound like a pig with his bow. I mean, it was really, really pig-like as well. Or a donkey. <laughs> I mean, really, really pig I mean, kind of... So they're obviously real... Uh, they know how to get some great sounds out of those instruments. Because that's often the way, isn't it? When you do a string session, you often kind of do... Yeah, you can kind of think of the most obscure um, Italian phrases for the, for the type of sound you want them to get. And, you know, if you've got a good uh, string leader... You'll get them to do things like turn their bows upside down so you get that weird sound and all that sort of... And these guys must be the archer. I imagine hiring them for a session. They'd probably be uh, probably quite good. Yeah. And creative. I just think, where did the cockadoodle do sound come from? His mouth. Right. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that was yeah. actually one of the, uh, yeah. one of the human elements. <laughs> but I think it's the tuxedos that make it, really. Because you just, you, looking at it, you don't expect humor. You know what I mean? So it makes it all seem so much more unlikely because of the way they're dressed and the proper way they begin. That's right. But it's also, Sets. that's not the only gag, which it could be quite easily in the situation like that. But they're actually very creative as well when it comes to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just the beginning. But it's, but it's kind of what gets you in the door is because all of a sudden you're laughing because they're these guys who look like a serious string quartet yeah. doing these silly things in the middle of what sounds like serious music. They've got a lot of gigs. Um, that there's a, th- this is what they say about themselves. We exist despite the sober formality of great concert halls, despite the boredom of classical musicians' life, despite fanatic lovers of classical music, despite fans of rock, rap or pop who are afraid of classical music. We treat our muse with humorous irony and we're sure we will, she will have nothing against it, which I think is a fairly kind of good summary of what they're about. 
They've got gigs all over the place as well. They're all over Europe at the moment, US, Taiwan, you know, various bits. And I was checking out what they were up to. Their, uh, their rider looked quite, uh, quite, and they're very specific. In the general, there's one specific point. The Mozart group performs only for an audience which sits in rows, not at tables. No food <laughs> service at all, it says. <laughs> they're very specific about that. And the other one is in the sound, which is very specific. Complete PA, amplifiers for the hall, analog in big, bold letters, console with a minimum of 12 sound inputs. <laughs> There's no, and they're very, very specific about that. Dave, did you enjoy that? I, I don't know how classically... You're quite classical, aren't you? Uh, not anymore. <laughs> Used to. The physique's gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just the nose now. Yeah. And the belly. Um, yeah, no, very impressed. Very impressed. I loved the bit where he was... Um, playing the music stand actually yeah that was quite just like, i mean because oh, just got up and it was on pretty much on pitch mm. yeah there's i mean if you look there's clips all over youtube of them it's just quite a nice sort of uh, mold breaking kind of thing i'm trying to think of anybody else who does that sort of thing you get this you get you get it with vocal groups a lot don't you but you don't necessarily get it with groups of musicians or am i wrong i expect i am it's often the case um, i think it's uncommon but there are some of varying kinds you know, Peter Shickley with PDQ Bach did it for years and years. The Baron Knights, of course. Of course. If you're yeah. in, the UK, in the UK, uh, Rich, the Baron Knights were a sort of spoof. They were a spoof band who did covers of current musical tracks in a sort of slightly unamusing but non-serious way. <laughs> okay. And they cool. were quite often in the charts when I was a kid. As is a lot of very strange music in Britain. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I like best about this kind of presentation is its vaudevillian aspects. And to the extent that it's vaudevillian, Uh I would include the Flying Karamazov brothers, who, while best known for their juggling, broke out, I believe it was a brass quintet in the middle of one show. Wow. And just blew me away. I mean, it was just, oh, wow. And you do that too? <laughs> you know, so to the extent that it all feels a little bit like magic in a moment like that, when the, when the unexpected happens, then, then I would include that sort of vaudevillian thing. And then you get into other groups that do, you know, funny things, vaudevillian style and all the Cirque du Soleil stuff. Yeah, no, it's good. To extend it far enough. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd like to see them. I mean, look, as a, looking at their tour schedule, there's a fairly good chance they'll be playing a gig not more than 10 miles from my house at this rate. Oh, really? Yeah, they're doing quite a lot. They're, they're all over the place. Um, it's London in September, isn't it? Yeah, I might try I might, might try and get along to that. Wear a tux or something. That'd be quite fun. Quite rough, <laughs> yeah. Throw some food. <laughs> uh, <laughs> throw some food. Yeah, you sort of feel you had the right somehow. It's okay. It's a joke. Don't take it too seriously. <laughs> As it splattered the varnish on the strad. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine the noodles stuck to the side of the cello. What would you t- What would you throw in an instance like that? Do you think, Dave? What sort of food would be appropriate? <laughs> uh, whatever was, was in front of me. Huh? Well, there was there was there. Well, I think that. But the thing is, it's a no food only gig, so you'd have to bring some in. So you'd have to be very specific <laughs> about the food that you were going to toss. Smuggling a picnic. <laughs> is that a cucumber in your pocket, or are you just glad to see yeah. me? I'm sorry, we can't do the gig. There is somebody here with some food. <laughs> Can you use um, uh, banana skins would probably be, a pr- be appropriate, wouldn't they? Very true. That would be great. Always good for a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> you, could claim, you could claim they weren't food because you can't really eat banana skins, can you? 
No, that's true. That's very well, that's yeah. true. <laughs> Mystic Radio in the chat room. Musicians of the era. Oh no, uh, the Canadian Brass Ensemble is humorous. Uh, and what else? The Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain. They do a version of Le Freak, actually. You might want to look that up on YouTube, Rich. I expect that will get you through uh, at least three minutes of your international flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll be at the in-flight, no doubt, in the in-flight Rich, magazine. I see that you once played Le Freak on a ukulele in the back of a 747. Now, that it's is true. decadent. It's- True. Well, we were back there with the flight attendants having a blast, and they were digging the fact that, they, that it was abandoned. There were some ba- little kids, and then the singers started singing to the kids, and the ladies started passing out ice cream. And the next thing you know, there's like 20 people jamming the back galley, and some guy hands over a ukulele. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And I played uh, <laughs> some version of La Freak on a ukulele. Wow. Back wow. 37. Nice. Spontaneously. It was really actually a lot of fun. And uh, the whole back part of the plane save one or two angry people who wanted us all to stop and shut up um we're having a blast and it, it kind of made the flight really unique but the, for those people who were trying to sleep in the back of the plane it was definitely forget about it we had no Kill mercy joys. we had no mercy on them and the flight crew were out putty in our hands so oh, fantastic. That, that, there's got to be a title for the show in there somewhere they're fun the mo mo they're, yeah. they're called the mo's under mo's apostrophe art which is a, some sort of play on, obviously, Mozart. Oh, this is good. I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can... Um, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it. Hold on, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm not very good at that, actually. I obviously need some lessons, but that was the sound <laughs> of the... Uh, that's that. that was the uh, Ilian Pipes on an iPad, uh, which is called the Ilian B 1.2 by a chap called Michael Eskin. And I, I can't play the Ilian Pipes, but he can. And there's a video of him doing it. And it's actually really quite remarkably acceptable. There's a concertina as well, which is a brilliant concept. So you can hold like your iPhone and just play the uh, the chord buttons. And there's another button for pull, push, pull, push, pull. It's, it's, it just seems like a really great uh, concept. But maybe that's just me. I'm obviously I'm not selling it very well based on my playing talents. But you know, chuck that under a big warm string pad with a load of reverb and play something plaintive in B, and you might have something going on there, eh? River dance. <laughs> River dance. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's got the technique, so you can flutter and do all that stuff. Unfortunately, I, I didn't use the time when I was preparing the show to work out some fancy riff I could play <laughs> in any way that would demonstrate it in a positive light, so I'm sorry what I'm doing for the sales is probably in a negative uh, way. <laughs> but, I, I, I mean, you know, we do go on about the iPad and all that, but it seems like that we're starting to get some interesting touch interfaces starting to come in in terms of creativity. You know, there's some things happening. Is somebody playing an accordion there? No, sorry, that was me. I was, uh, it was something else, though. <laughs> I thought perhaps you had the accordion side. Of it. I just picture there's a room full of people and there's somebody on the Ill and Pipes and somebody on the, um, <laughs> on the accordion and we could have a little well, polka moment. No, I have this. What you is just it, need a a vir- you need a virtual uke. Rich. Well, I've got bagpipes for my um, iPod. Have you? You play So them? we could jam like the Yulian pipes and the bagpipes, and you could get this whole whiny thing going out of uh, iPhones. It would be very cool. I've got the guitar, actually. I think the guitar is obviously the easiest one for me to play because I am a guitarist, so... Well, did you see there was that guy who made... I forget. I, we should have done it as, a, as an item, but there was a guy who made like a uh, an instrument by gaffer-taping a load of iPhones onto a 
a piece of wood. So one of them, one of them was actually. So he'd press one; it would play drums, and then there was some down by where the kind of sound sound card, the sound hole would be, where which he would strum, and then another one which was play a bass line with the other hand. So he was actually able to get some fairly acceptable sort of multi-part arrangements in this sort of gaffer-taped virtual polyphonic guitar type. <laughs> thing, which was kind of a bit out there. It was obviously worth a fortune, because if you take the value of each one of those smartphones, which is obviously running like a four-buck version of software, but they're like 600 bucks each. That's a very expensive instrument held together with tape. <laughs> wow. Good, eh? I mean, do you think there's, there's potential here? I mean, you know, th- obviously these are traditional instruments, but somebody who might be able to play the recorder or play this sort of thing might actually be able to get, get a tune out of it. I was intrigued how he was getting the pitch bend on that. Well, there is a, there's a combination of fingers that you press, and if you're in one of them and you move your finger up and down, you get a you get a slide. It's just I don't know how to uh, do it. Uh, I'm, I was not demonstrating it at all. Well, there. <laughs> That's obviously not going to be the hot topic of the show. Um, even with my fantastic playing, <laughs> I can feel there's a sort of pregnant pause behind every answer here, which is. <laughs> in some way, uh, signing the fact that nobody is has anything to say on the subject. <laughs> I've got the eye piper as well. I use it to annoy Chris a lot, being Scottish. <laughs> Every time we get on the plane, it's time for the eye piper to come out. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you worked it out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all right, actually. You worked out some riffs? Just a load of drones and, yeah, a little mono you could, get, you could get one that was that little, um, like, those little, those, those, which I've never been able to figure out. You get the, uh, the pipers, and then you get the drummers with these massive fat snare drums that sound like pieces of tracing paper on a comb. And I've never really understood why they make such a crappy little tinny sound, yet they're kind of 12 inches deep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what's <laughs> what's that all about? Uh, that's the style. It's just, I, you'd have to ask a Scotsman, I think, because it's specifically a Scottish style. It is, isn't it? Like I mean, you just think, well, why don't you just have a deep drum, yeah. much smaller, and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be so heavy. <laughs> the drum corps that my family participates in doesn't play drums that are tuned that tightly, so it's not the Scottish style. Ah, okay. Right. Yeah, but that is very much in existence, and yes, it's a funny kind of get, get, get kind of I've sound. never really understood it. And I still want one in my iPhone, because the more git, git, git it sounds coming out of that thing, the cooler it'll be. <laughs> there, uh, there is one thing about all of these instruments on the iPhone. that un- You're not able to tune. And that, this goes for the synths I've reviewed. I'm just um, going to put up a review probably t- uh, Friday of the uh, Elatron HD, which is a, like a Mellotronish kind of synth instrument. But none of them you can tune. You can't tune any of them. So if you've got, you know, a situation where you need to get it so that it's actually in pitch with stuff in the outside world, you're kind of screwed. And I wonder if that's like a sample playback thing, because I mean, obviously, if you're, if you're manipulating some of this stuff in real time, it's going to put a whole extra processor load on. Is that a guess, or oh, am, I, am I sounding yeah. like I know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you, Dave. I feel valid. I've got a great little app on the iPhone, actually. It's called Weavy Band. Weavy. And you blow in the mouthpiece. Oh, yeah, that's ex- but that's all modelled, isn't it? You've that's- got trumpet, trombone, French horn, tuba. Tuba's guaranteed to annoy. Tenor sax, alto sax, <laughs> flute, piccolo flute, alto flute, clarinet, bass clarinet, oboe, English horn, and a bassoon. Let's see if I can get a bit of tuba out of it. <laughs> There you go. 
I, 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 it does sound kind of stupid and um, like you're <laughs> blowing, blowing a kind of raspberry there, but the technology behind it is amazing. And uh, we did something on the Weavey Instruments, the, the full version, which you play with a, to get the most out of it, you play with a breath controller, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's all modelled, isn't it? It's not sampled at all. It's really yeah, clever it stuff. Cool. Yeah. yeah, really clever stuff. I, must, I, I don't think there's anywhere for me to blow in on the, um, on the iPad, although I'll check. I think it, maybe it has got a mic. What's that little thing oh, that'd there? That'd be interesting. Yeah. It doesn't look quite as good, does it? With an iPhone, it's all right. But if I've got this massive, great tablet computer held to my lips, it looks a bit... <laughs> it would just look a bit wrong, wouldn't it? Be like I'm trying to eat a coaster or something. <laughs> Welcome to the Benny Hill Show, uh, says CR78 in the, in the chat room. Thank you very much. Can you do... Can you play... Can you get the sax up and do the... No, perhaps not. God. Evo, back with a new album. First Eva album for 20 years, and um, that was a track called uh, Fresh, which is out, I think, in June sometime. Um, they've been doing so, there's actually, they've got some great imagery, and they've, they've been developing, uh, they've got new hats, they're called Blue, Blue Energy Domes this time, which you buy for 32 bucks, they're in mass production at the moment. They've obviously geared up and ready to kind of do the, um, the merchandising thing when they do their tours and stuff. And they've done a really funny little press conference where, where they asked all of the fans to vote on the track listing for the album which uh, was kind of cool. Something for everybody. It's, well, the last one was 1990. Mark, are you going to be pre-ordering yours now? I like the idea of it. I don't know if I'll buy it or not yet. I'll have to hear some more songs. It does sound quite good, though. Yeah, it's, got very, it's very Devo, isn't it? I mean, there's no, there's no denying that Devo-ness, although it reminded me of something else as well, but I'm trying to remember what it was now. Although uh, it's big... I don't know if I like the drums, but we'll, I'll, they might grow on me. Right. Okay. Sounds a bit like Nitzer, was it Nitzer Ebb or Einstein? No, I don't know. Front 242 a bit, Just maybe, big, or something. Big claps. Yeah. Interestingly, um, do you remember we did that thing about Josh Freeze, who was the drummer who created this sort of ridiculous, if you buy his album, he was doing this sort of box set concept, and he would, if you bought the deluxe version, he'd come round your house, wash your car, take you out to dinner, and, you know, do all... <laughs> he's the drummer. So he got a yeah. gig out of it. Fantastic. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, he, was a okay. great, he's a, he was a great drummer before that. Yeah, no, he was a great drummer. A, do you think he washed all their cars and everything then? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there was a special version that said, I will come... Well, actually, there was, wasn't there? There was one that said, um, if you pay a certain amount, he'll come and play on one of your... He'll, he'll write and record an album with you. So maybe they just bought his, uh, his most deluxe the, the, box set. The Highline thing, yeah. Maybe I should put one of those on my website. That, that, this is a, the new model in marketing for music, then. Interesting idea. <laughs> But Devo, I don't know, Devo, um, it's been a while, hasn't it? I mean, Dave, are you excited by that? I wonder whether they're, they're going to be using software or whether they've got some hardware going on. Have they, you sold them any of your products? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. To be honest, I have no interest at all in Devo. Fair enough. No. No, no not no. even slightly. <laughs> How about you, Rich? Any interest at all? Yes. It's gone to sleep. I mean, he's hey, dropped he's, off. He's gone. He's, yeah. he's just gone. <laughs> Not gone to sleep, gone. Well, uh, on that uh, bombshell, 
I, I think it's probably time we introduce our show sponsor because obviously um, this is about a good time to. Well, Rich is not here. I could uh, I can say hello and welcome and thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to Yamaha UK who are sponsoring the podcast as ever, um, a long term sponsor. We do really appreciate their involvement and we want to tell you about their own podcast, which is the Yamaha Download, which is a monthly affair uh, presented by Richard Allenson, who's uh, it's a really nicely done actually, very sort of proper radio with kind of bands in the studio. Uh, in fact, this time they've got a CP5 demo from Martina. This is, we're talking about the May episode. They're talking to um, Andy Frizenden, who's the drummer for Sugar Babes, Pixie Lot, about the the Yamaha DTX90 electronic kit and how it works and, you know, how, how he's finding it live. Uh, well, there is, uh, as I said last week, I think, a great photo of the babes with their posteriors extended in a suggestive manner, but you'll have to go to the website to check that out. And uh, there's talk of the Super BB bass and Billy Sheen bass clinic tour. Um, this can all be found if you go to sonicstate.com forward slash Yamaha. There's a link there that will take you to the podcast and also to Yamaha Download at uk where there's a great website full of tips and tricks and information about the latest drivers there's a cubase a4 installation guide this time and latest news on the steve gad mission from gad uh, drum clinic rescheduled dates due to the volcanic ash so uh, please do check that out remember sonicstate.com forward slash yamaha will get you to all of those things and um we do appreciate them as a sponsor of the show and uh, we welcome them with open arms so please do check them out and while we're at it uh, they also want me to tell you to try please do try out their cp pianos because they've their, their new ranges out and they're very proud of them at the moment and uh, obviously you can't really get an idea of how they feel to play what the way the keyboard like the, the, the physicality of the instrument so get into a store near you and check one out uh, they really would like you to, to see that if you're a piano kind of guy so once again thanks to yamaha.co.uk for the sponsorship uh, go to sonicstate.com forward slash yamaha and you will be able to see all the delights they have to offer so that was devo album um with uh, ustream tv slash devo check that out uh, here's another one this is the itunes scam this was quite interesting it sort of maybe um shows the uh potential for money laundering in the digital economy i suppose and uh, this is a news from someone called menmedia.co.uk and this is uh, a gang of highly educated educated fraudsters turn their talent to a crime in a sophisticated itunes fraud um they uh, uh, there's basically a PhD student, two IT experts, a scientist, and a former business school student. They use stolen credit card details to generate cash through the sale of iTunes cards on social media sites. What they did is they bought um, bulk from from uh, Apple, a hundred pound gift certificates with the stolen cash, which they then sold on eBay through mates and social uh, social networking to kind of you know like a pyramid sale. And uh, it's estimated the scam cost Apple of up to 800 grand. Uh, Apple decided, declined to comment. But sort of an interesting kind of spin on the whole fact that, you know, these things can be used to money laundering, I guess, in the same way as mail, or- mail order. But uh, finally it's come to, you know, a big established brand. What are we going to do? I don't know. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I, know. I think I know what we'll do. We'll do this. Tumbleweed. This is the tumbleweed moment that hasn't happened for quite some time. Of course, um, this is only reserved for topics which have uh, no discernible response from any of our uh, participants. And this, this is a marvellous piece of jinglage that was uh, created by Mr. Howard Scar, who is sound designer for uh, Hans Zimmer, amongst many others. Marvellous piece of work there, Howard. Um, just like to say thank you very much, and we'll move on. Roger Lynn, what are you doing? Should we do that one instead? <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm 
Roger Lin, and uh, this is a, uh, a new musical instrument I've made using a, um, a multi-touch pressure-sensitive uh, control surface by the Touchco company. Now, in this application, each individual square gives me uh, three degrees of control. One is uh, pressure, and that's independent for each finger. Also, there's pitch. And in this particular case, I have um, the Y position mapped to timbre, anything from a 50% um, duty cycle pulse wave. You get the idea. That was Roger Lynn and his brand new concept instrument, the Lindstrument. Um, I guess we can take it by this that uh, perhaps development of the... Was it Lindrum 2? Is that what it's called? Dave, can you remember? Uh, no, sorry. Well, the, that, the, the, the sort of new Lindrum that was in production, or not in production, nearing production, looks like uh, maybe there's... that Roger's got um, other interests. But this, this did look quite interesting, but until I saw the picture of the... Um, what it's going to end up like, because this is starting out like a pad, which is quite similar to an iPad, obviously, but this is pressure-sensitive and uh, where an iPad isn't. And he's going to kind of try and wrap it into a what looks a bit like an Eigen Labs Pico kind of format, which I don't understand necessarily why one would do that if it's already been done, although it does sound like he's maybe got the uh, the pitching aspect of the sensitivity a lot more playable than it is with the eigen stuff which is it, it takes quite a lot of mastering but has he got something in it i mean it is it, it seems like a very different kind of thing from roger but i mean i guess he's an inventor so these sort of things are going to excite him i don't know what do you think dave are you are you sad that we're not going to get drums and it's going to be this or um I, I think you could just do it with the pad that looked kind of i'd buy that i like it actually i like all these kind of ribbon style strips i've got the Kurzweil one uh, obviously this one on the CS80, I bought a CS60 just for the ribbon controller. So yeah, I, I do like these things a lot. Uh, he didn't say how much. No, he was alluding to the fact that at the moment it's incredibly expensive, but if you could get production up, you could kind of cut it down to, you know, a lot less. Um, but that was about as far as it went. I mean, it depends what you're going to make. I mean, I think if the uh, if it's going to have, you know, this sort of eigen type form then that's obviously going to cost a lot more because it's going to have to be formed whereas i mean just the idea of a pad with 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 pitching because the way that he he did it was all in fourth so it looked really easy to play in terms of yeah. throwing, throwing guitar shapes which was quite cool yeah no i thought it was neat but sounded good as well you know it, it did you know, but i mean very that, simple tones well unfortunately i mean this is one of the problems with this thing you know as soon as you start mentioning things like osc and uh max msp and stuff it becomes I mean, I start to glaze because I don't have any of that stuff, and I just think, oh, you know, does it have to use that? Is that it needs to be you know, much more accessible? I don't know. I don't know, uh, Rich. Would you would you consider some, something like that? It's, it look, I mean, it reminded me a little bit of the um, hack and continuum type of vibe. Right. I was very interested in this. Really interested, and you know what? I'm kind of silly this way, but almost anything that you lay a finger on, move your hand side to side, and get vibrato on, I'm cool. I like that. Right. I've liked it ever since the Yamaha SY1 or 2 or whatever had it back then, the one that was in the Close Encounters movie. And uh, 
I still like it. I like it on his controller. As soon as I saw him lay his hands on a cord and wobble his hand back and forth and listen to vibrato moving at the speed of his hand motion, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like well, what that. that what what was cool was he was playing something in the left. There was chords in the left hand that he was vibrating at one speed, and then a, a something in the the right hand at a different vibrato speed. So that sort of polyphonic nature of the control is quite an exciting concept. I mean, imagine controlling because you you've you've built in um, uh, polyphonic aftertouch into the uh, Imp Two, right? Yeah. So you could kind of see that there would be ooh, there'd be something quite nice with that in terms of polyphonic aftertouch type control. Yeah, definitely. Like Rich, I'm a massive fan of the um, Hack and Continuum. Yeah, if, if only it was easy to play. If only it was slightly cheaper as well. Yeah, well, it's expensive. It is expensive, but, you know... I it did like it a lot, and this, uh, you know, it all, it all comes down to price point, really, but, yeah, very exciting. Mark, what do you think? Uh, um, why has he laid it out in squares? What's wrong with that? It doesn't make any sense because there's a thing that somebody invented like several years ago called an opal gecko, which is laid out hexagonally. And the relationships between the notes when you lay things out hexagonally is completely different and really cool the way they interact with each other in terms of like the musical intervals between hexagons when you put them next to each other and have certain notes going in different directions literally by changing the angle across which you play the hexagons you can change the musical scales and keys and you can create more meaningful chords by sticking your finger on three keys at once okay yeah i think i remember seeing i I think his (laughs) the keyboard part of it was a bit lame to put it (laughs) <laughs> but I think he went for it from the sort of uh, guitar, the fourth thing, the, the the sending, you know, the the parallel fourth, so that it would be easy to throw shapes like a, on a guitar. There's a there's a iPhone application. There, here we go again uh, on the i app. What's it called? The App Store, iTunes yeah. App Store, called Hex Keys for the iPhone, which basically does pretty much the same, as far as I can tell, as the Opal Gecko. And I, it's that is the sole reason why I am contemplating buying an iPad because when the iPad comes out, if I can use it as an to do this Opal Gecko thing, um, to use that keyboard layout or that instrument layout, it's uh, I just it's just so cool. I, I just I don't know. I, I do, well, I, I guess the thing is with that is for some people things are like alternative keyboard layouts are you know are a blessing for some people and, and almost impossible for others. I mean, I'm rich, you know, with the level of ingrained kind of uh, physical memory you've got from a sort of standard you know twelve tone key layout. I imagine something like this would just be kind of a really a pain to play. Yeah, but I'm also kind of cool with a lot of different instruments, and so I'm used to making the melodies in a lot of different ways. I, I would love, I'd, I'd like to play with it. Yes, I, I see Mark's point, and what it reminded me of was uh, sometime in the 70s, David Vancouvering attempted to sell a, keyboards, a keyboard controller that had, I believe it was either hexagonal or octagonal keys that were laid out in a sort of a gridded arrangement that allowed you to play the same positions in any key like a guitarist could. So... Unlike yeah, a normal exactly. piano keyboard, where uh, where you would be playing very differently if you were playing an A flat, as if as from D major, um, 
on this thing, no matter what key you're in, it plays the same. Kind of the Irving Berlin concept of writing everything in C. Uh, uh, okay. There was, wasn't there a C3 music? Had a similar thing. Do you remember that? It was yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, very similar to that gecko, isn't it? Yeah, I did a. Uh, I interviewed the, one of the guys. Uh, I forget his name now. It's a couple of Nams back um, with the C3 music controller, which I don't know whether it's you know. Well, I think it might have been based on the Opal one, actually. Probably, yeah, quite possibly by what you're describing. It seems like there is. People want to find a new way to express musical creativity, you know, to be able to play things expressively because, you know, MIDI's great and keyboard's great, but it's not terribly expressive in terms of, you know, that, that multiple touch kind of feel. So, I mean, it, there's obviously a, a quest underway. And, I mean, Roger's probably one of those guys who's likely to come up with another spin on it, something different to, to what they've done at the Eigen Labs, for instance. So, you know, maybe we're just, it's another node on the way to wh- wherever we're going to get to ultimately. Because I like the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Another one I can think of is uh, Joe Zawinul had a Korg instrument called Pepe, P-E-P-E that had buttons laid out in some kind of wacky diagonal accordion looking like arrangement that he used to solo on. Didn't they used to make, they do make, um, they used to make um, versions of keyboards with accordion layouts. It's like a French thing. I, Cause I remember doing a gig in France and coming on stage. I mean, I was miming, so it's not well, not a gig, a PA it was. And coming on stage and looking at this thing and going, what the hell's that? I've never seen that before. And it was just like an accordion layout in place of a MIDI keyboard. So there was this normal keyboard. I forget what it was. It was a Casio or something. And it had this keyboard that just was nothing like a keyboard. It was like an accordion keyboard, which I'm guessing, <laughs> you know, is what you use to play. I mean, I wish him all the best because I think, you know, it, this, this has to be explored because there's clearly a need and a, uh, and, a, and a kind of desire to go there. Let's do the musical instrument loss and recovery because I think this is quite an interesting topic. I mean, obviously, we're aware of the, the floods that happened in Nashville, uh, May the 1st and 2nd. Um, Tennessee received the greatest amount of rainfall in recorded history, which is kind of saying something, really, because it rains pretty heavily there sometimes i remember the afternoons we've been there for nam you know you get that kind of tropical storm in the afternoon but looking at the footage and stuff there's just i mean it's really really quite deep and obviously there's so many musical facilities in nashville um this was brought up by uh, create digital music and um soundcheck in particular which is a big rehearsal complex where obviously in rehearsal complexes what happens is people store a lot of their instruments and backline and stuff you know between gigs and between rehearsals and they basically got flooded out but it brings up this sort of something that we don't normally normally hear about in terms of a when items of cultural and music creative value are lost and how how that affects a, a community and you know how replaceable and also how does a certain instrument only allow you you know does the fact that it has to be a certain instrument make it um only you only able to play certain things you know only able to achieve some greatness like for instance if you've got a particular guitar or a particular amp or whatever and i just thought it was an interesting area to explore well you know i'm not romantic about instruments as much as some. as some so i mean it's a great loss and that's why you have insurance and you hate to have to use it and uh I I'm, and I do. I'm romantic enough to know that there was there was there were true wonderful vintage instruments that could never be replaced that were undoubtedly sacrificed here. So I am that romantic. Uh-huh. Um, but so, you know, if a few you know martial amps went along the way, it's not you know I'm not holding the funeral. But but like I said, that's why you have insurance companies. It was a terrible tragedy. 
in no way am I minimizing what took place there. But uh, as far as its effect on music as compared to its effect on the greater whole. Do you think it's different depending on which instrument it may be? I mean, obviously amplification, you know, you get certain tones, but we can, you can work on that. But the sort of the playability of something that's been crafted in a handmade way, like, you know, obviously a mechanical piano or guitar and basses, yeah. those kind of things. Yeah, no, it'd be terrible. Anything that's irreplaceable is well, yeah, terrible. It's terrible. Um, but add, in the grand scheme of life, where people are losing their houses and their, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, that's very, stuff like that, it's really you know, small stuff to me. Dave, um, any of those questions ring any um, resonances with you? It was terrible, wasn't it? I, funnily enough, I was dealing with uh, some tech support stuff, and a guy had had his studio flooded as we were talking, actually. It was pretty grim. Um, no, I can see how it can affect your muse. I mean, if you've got an instrument that you're particularly kind of... Sorry about that. There's a, somebody right outside my house with a digger. Ah, I wonder what that was. That's a very <laughs> low end. Well, I thought it was Mark. Going, it's all going was, on today, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they, were, uh, they knocked at the door earlier and said, sorry about the noise, we'll be doing a driveway just around the corner. By the way, do you want to drive, Don? Uh, no, I can see how it can affect the muse. I mean, muse, particularly with... I know some guitarist, a guitarist who had his uh, sort of favourite guitar. I can't even remember what it was now. I think it was a Godan or something, but it was... Uh, it had been tweaked to perfection, and somehow that got damaged, and even though it was sort of repaired, he was still never able to kind of get into it again. And I think he ended up just selling it, but I can see that, you know, so there are some keyboards that particularly old, strange tape machine things that we've got. Mm. They're very fragile. And if something or somebody just does something and, you know, mucks about with it a little bit too much, it can kind of, it can put me out of kilter, actually. And it's funny, I used to get this sometimes at gigs. You know, if if something, sometimes you just kind of get this sort of mental block. If something wasn't set up, precisely right or you know i used to to get it with drums more than anything else it's a snare and sometimes it can throw you for a whole show so yeah i can understand it i was having a chat with will from golfrap this morning um because i've been doing some live prep stuff for their current tour and he was saying that um there were he was talking to somebody at abbey road where they've got you know the, the the main live room they painted it you know some time back and uh, after they painted it, it didn't sound the same. And they had to redecorate it with paint of the same original texture that they painted right. it, the first, you know, repaint it again with something that had the same sort of qualities because it, it, it messed up with the, it messed the sound. And so it, everything was kind of wrong. And that sort of level, I mean, I, I'm guessing, you know, architecturally, I mean, if you've got a, a favourite studios or whatever, then all of these um, issues are going to be throwing up their rooms are not going to sound the same there's going to be kind of a lot of stuff that you have to readjust to that it's it's the same sort of thing like that presumably you get with when when the ground is taken from underneath you like you know where uh, and, and and all of your reference points has changed and you've got to re relearn how to do lots of things there must be a lot of that going on i was going to say it's a bit like these virtual instruments it's like if dave so we'll pick on dave's company for a minute if dave models like the imposca right and has the fastest computer available to do that now and measures all the components in an imp and does it the best possible way he can do it with what he's got now. Yeah. And it creates a certain sound. And it's almost identical to an imposca, right? 
And then in 10 years' time, there's a really, really fast computer and a much better way of measuring and another way of doing this and another way of doing that, and you create like a new version. People are going to go, well, we want you to have a button in there so you can switch it back to the classic um, the classic original version sound, right? So they'll want yep. to because, – because the, orig- the original modeled version will become sort of an instrument in its own right, even though it's – you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I think there's just so, there are so many. There are obviously so many things to deal with in terms of you know when you have a disaster of this type or anything. You know, if it burst pipes in your house, whatever, where where that your environment is completely sort of changed or wiped out or or ruined, and you have to kind of start again. It must be very takes a while to kind of get recentered and rebalanced and re kind of sorted out. I suppose you know in some ways that's one of the advantages of working in computers and in the box is because it's fairly you can recall all of that stuff. You know, although it doesn't have the same level of uh, expressivity and what have you just yet recentered that's a great word recentered that's exactly right i'll tell you i'll give you a classic example with, with uh, one of the chamberlains we've got uh, there's a bit of tape magnetization and i've lost a key which actually isn't that much of a problem because normally i'd kind of go okay yeah yeah but actually getting those tapes again are almost is almost impossible so now I'm finding that, you know, normally things like that wouldn't bug me. I'd kind of adapt and work around it. And that, now all of a sudden I'm thinking that B-flat's not there all the time. Every time I play it, that B-flat's not there. <laughs> so okay, it can't use that, can't use that. Right. And, and after a while you kind of, you, you do lose that muse, as it were. You kind of walk away from it and go, oh, anyway. Because you can't play like any note you want. Big, yeah, I mean, like Rich said, in the big scheme of things, it's uh, no big deal. But it can, it can throw your day. Yeah. I read, I read something, uh, this is kind of related, but I read something really interesting about Google, how Google is changing people's perception of science, that the way that it uh, puts the most important information at the top means that the stuff that's really important about science becomes way down in the Google search engine. So people's perception of what is important about science is being shifted. And the way, so the analogy would be that the way you play music, now avoiding that key that's missing, will mean that over a long period of time, your whole way that you play might shift and you might find yourself avoiding B flats on other keyboards as well. Oh, I see, yeah, yeah. Because every time, every time you do it, you'll go over that area and go, oh, it's not there. And then it'll just become something you always do. And then you'll be playing some other keyboard and it'll be, oh, it's, you know, there'll be an avoidance. Yeah. And yeah. it's the angst in trying to get it, trying to get it sorted. It's going to be a long and drawn out process mm. and expensive and painful and tedious and all of those things. Almost on a par to uh, when your computer just stops working. The stress factor involved in all of that is just too immense. Cloud, man. It's the only answer. It's where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately. Right. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Spotify um, are launching a new service. You can now get it in, the U- in Europe for uh, five quid a month. You don't get the local storage and you don't get the mobile devices, but you get the ad-free stuff. And I think, you know, that might be – I might do that because it seems like a good point at which to um, to support it. So five five quid a month is – Definitely. Yeah, they're going to be launching in the US soon, I believe. That's what they're trying to do. But, um, but the Musical Instrument Loss and Recovery, um, that's on createdigitalmusic.com. Um, thanks to them for spotting yet another one. Should we have a look at this? We'll start with something a bit lighter, because uh, I, I think you might enjoy this. This might, this, this might take you back. 
two up on these latest dance steps. Well, if you have a preference, it is my party. Terrific. How about something old-fashioned, huh? Sir, excuse me. Are you familiar with the uh, rock? You know, uh... Try it, try it. Come on. No, 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 no. no. That, that, that's not it. Just, just let yourself go. Let it go. Go with the music. That's it, right? Yeah. That's it. Before your time, it frightens you. <laughs> oh. Nothing frightens me. Right, fine, get down boogie. Oh no, I can't take any more. Sorry, but that—that's. <laughs> I, I, this, I, this was on Synthtopia, and this was the classic Buck Rogers episode where I think it's in the film version where he goes to Princess Ardala's party because she's taking a bit of a shine to him, and he's sort of trying to get the house banned, who were playing something really quite interesting before he got involved, actually, um, to, to play something that he could get down to and boogie to. And uh, it, I can't imagine how he could have filmed that scene without being bright red and thinking, I can't believe I'm making such a of myself. Did anyone else remember that? Because I, 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 while I was watching it, I was almost sweating with embarrassment because I remember that when it, when it actually happened for the first time, thinking it was really cringeable. And I was only nine or ten. So God knows... <laughs> God knows. Do you remember that? Anyone else see that one before? Yeah, I think I saw it. Ah, oh, ouch. <laughs> but he was dancing unabashedly. I have to be. I mean, he's a great, he's obviously a great actor because he was convincing. <laughs> I don't know who, who is it that played Buck Rogers? I forget now. <laughs> I forget the name of the actor. Oh, but what a, what a trip down memory lane. What a kind of, ah, uh, oh. Rich, you, uh, do you remember, was Buck Rogers big in the States? Or did you foist it upon us only, thus your poor Europeans? <laughs> no, well, I don't know the answer to that question. Like exporting the bad wine. Time, at this time in history, I was completely divorced from normal pop culture. So it could have been huge and I wouldn't know it. Ah, it wouldn't have been on <laughs> I TV. Was completely involved in esoteric Higher things, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know about higher. <laughs> other stuff. You were and, making music uh, just like that in your own privacy of your own home. Yes, of course. No, I can show you. Preparing for a life of computer music. <laughs> Presumably that was uh, anticipated as being kind of current but futuristic at the same time. I wonder who it was who actually had the job of creating that uh, space disco. Because uh, I'm pretty sure I heard an, an 808 in there. Dave, would you would you agree? Can you recognise any other synths oh, in I that one? I don't know. I kind of... I- I had the first couple of seconds with the volume up and then I thought, I can't bear this. So I was kind of watching it with the volume turned down and it was like some sort of 70s porno flick, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> That's what I thought. Uh, oh. And the music certainly did swing like a statue's cock. <laughs> Whoa! Let me bring out the, the phone bleep at that point. It, uh, Kiwi Steve said it was huge in New Zealand. It was huge everywhere. <laughs> not that Spuck Rogers, not the statue's... Gil uh, Gerard. Gil Gerard, he made the music. No, he played Buckers. Although I think he had dancing lessons from my dad, by the way. <laughs> yeah, there was a d- bit of dad <laughs> dancing going on there. Absolutely fantastic stuff, though. Uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, in a sort of embarrassing, embarrassing way. In fact, the title of this topic was, Oh God, I thought I'd erase this from my memory. It all came flooding yeah. back. Um, so, for, well, uh, there might be time for um, this one last Cuttyman um, thing, which is another... If you remember Cuttyman, he did this rather amazing... Um, project on youtube 
uh, where he took lots and lots of videos and cut together this album of music, and some of it was astonishing. And there was one which was I'm New, which I know we did as a podcast title. I don't know, uh, Rich, whether it was perhaps before your time um, on the show, because you didn't join us from the very beginning. But um, it's a, I'll, I'll play a bit of that out. But this is uh, – he's got a gig, Cuttyman, um, and he was doing uh, a, a sort of video – music experiment for Craftsman Tools. And uh, this is what he came up with. And etc. etc. But it's all made from video, so it's cut together in video terms. So it's, it was a great piece, actually. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping he was paid handsomely for it because he's a very talented gentleman. Did you get a chance to see that? Anybody? Brilliant, brilliant, loved it. Yeah, brilliant. Wait a minute, Rich. I'm just remembering. Did you go and see um, Pat? Pat Metheny. Pat Metheny. You went, Pat didn't you? Versus the machines. Yeah, that was on Sunday, wasn't it? It's Pat versus the machine. Was it good? No holds barred, knockdown, drag out, steel cage, death match. <laughs> Who won? Pat. Won. Ah, that was a good Handily. <laughs> Handily. It was a tremendously enjoyable and interesting evening for me. I was, I was in he- heaven. You know, I was digging it. My son was digging it. It was incredible what he could do with this machine. And, and he played the album, and that was great. And he plays, I think he's a wonderful player. So I dig his playing anyway. But. Then he created some pieces with it live on stage. Oh, really? What, like the thing. improvisational stuff? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, created pieces. Basically demonstrated the process by which this happens. And uh, it was remarkable. It was absolutely, un- you know, I, I don't know, you know how, many t- how many chances you get in your life to see something like this, but it was really something special. It was great. Oh, excellent. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Rich, have you, got to, have you got to get out of here? I know you had time, limited time today. Yeah, I do. I actually have to go. Um, well, I, I need to start getting ready to get out of here and go to the airport. So, Well, have a great series of uh, gigs over in Europe, and I hope you have a great trip and uh, a good flight. And we hope to see, we, There's no show um, next week or the week after. We're back on the 9th of June, so that might fit together perfectly. You know, I would have made next. I would have made next week if I. Had of course, yeah. Had, well, you'd been in the right still time have zone. Still that microphone in my bag. Excellent. Well, I, I only wish there was a way I could do it from rural France, but I've been looking into it, and there is absolutely no three G coverage whatsoever. There may be a bit of GSM Edge, possibly, but I don't think I could do the show on my phone. That might it's be tricky. Cool. But thank you very much, Rich. Uh, MySpace.com forward slash Hiltonius. Find him on Facebook and, and all over the world. Currently heading off to play some gigs with Sheik in Europe. Thank you very much for joining us, Rich. Cool. Thanks, guys. Good talking to you. So, Mark, thank you for joining us. Uh, AutismHero.com, is that where we're pointing people? No, I've got bored of calling myself. All right, what are we going to call you? What are we going to? Where are you going to point people this time? I think they should go uh, likebeing.com. It like, takes you to the same place. Likebeing.com. L-I-K-E-B-E-I-N-G. Right, thank you very much, Mark, um, and thank you for joining thank us. Thank you very much, yeah. Dave Spears, G4 Software, thank you also for joining me. I'm sure you've got plenty of stuff to be getting on with, including uh, your good work on your marvellous virtual instruments. Indeed. Thank you very much. Have a good break. So that was Sonic Talk number 176. Thank you very much, everybody.